بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين Tonight, brothers and sisters, we will start with the signs of the hour إن شاء الله تعالى, we start off by talking about the signs that have already occurred Sign number one the advent of the last messenger of God, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The advent of the last messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, marks the nearness of the hour. He said, بُعِثْتُ أَنَا وَالسَّاعَةُ كَهَاتَيْنِ وَضَمَّ السَّبَّابَةَ وَالْوُسْطَى the time of my arrival and the time of the hour are like these. And he joined the index and middle fingers. This hadith tells us the advent of the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad wasallam, in of itself was a sign marking the nearness of the hour. Sign number two, the death of Allah's Messenger. It says in a hadith narrated by Bukhari 3176 Count six things that will happen before the hour My death That is one And inshallah throughout the lessons we address the other five signs So the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is one of the signs marking the nearness of the hour. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died at the age of 63 in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. He died with his head on her chest in her house and in her designated day. All of those things are virtues of Aisha radiallahu anha. Think about it. For Allah to choose for his messenger to die on the day that was designated for Aisha radiallahu anha in her house on his head on her chest. So he died at the age of 63 in the house of Aisha. He said before he died few statements. It's worth our while to reflect upon what he said before he died. He said before he died, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ الْيَهُودَ وَالنَّصَارَى اتَّخَذُوا قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ مَسَاجِدِ يُحَذِّرُوا مِمَّا صَنَعُوا Allah cursed the Jews and the Christians because they designated the graves of their messengers as places of prostration. He was warning from their practices. Today, we find many Muslims designate the graves of so-called walis or designate the graves of real pious people as places of prostration. If Muslims do that, they will be eligible to receive the curse of Allah. Why? Because if Allah cursed the Jews and the Christians because they designated the graves of their messengers as the places of prostration, then if the Muslims do similar practices, then they are eligible to receive the curse. 
And this is why it says at the end of the hadith, he was warning from their practices. Meaning he's leaving us with this message before he died. Do not take the graves of your righteous people. Do not designate the graves of the pious people as places of prostration. Because if you do so, you are eligible to receive the curse of Allah. Just like the Jews and the Christians receive their share because... They designated the graves of their messengers as places of prostration. Also Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said as he was dying, As-salat as-salat wa ma malakat aymanukum. This hadith narrated by Ibn Majah. The prayers, the prayers, and that which your right hand possesses. When the Prophet is saying, As-salah, as-salah, their prayers, their prayers, that means he has told us to take care of our prayers, to attend to our prayers, to take our prayers seriously, to do our prayers continually, to devote ourselves and designate ourselves to do a good job when it comes to praying. And then he said, and care for what your right hand possesses, meaning care for the slaves that you own. Owning slaves is not a practice that is unique to Islam, but owning slaves is a practice that is known in all religions. In Galatians 3.22, it says, slaves obey your masters. Also Islam instructs slaves to obey their masters, but also Islam instructs the masters to treat their slaves not well, but very good. I would like to give you a hadith that shows you how well Islam wants masters to deal with their slaves. The Prophet ﷺ said, if your slave cooks for you food and bring it to you, then ask him to sit and eat with you. And if you do not do that, give him a portion of your food. And also the Prophet ﷺ said, Do not assign tasks to your slave that they cannot bear. And when you ever assign tasks to them, help them out. One of the companions was seen with his slave. The clothing of his slave and his clothing were matching. So a person cannot tell who is the slave and who is the master. So we understand of what I mentioned to you that Islam wants people who own slaves to deal with them very good. To treat them very good. But not only that, Islam encouraged the emancipation of slaves. Thus, the expiations of many sins is to emancipate slaves. I know when we talk about slavery, very negative pictures come to our minds because we are familiar with the slavery that is done in the West with all the oppression that is associated with it. But if you look at the master-slave relationship in Islam, you'll find that the masters are instructed to deal with their slaves very well. 
to clothe them the same type of clothing they wear, to feed them the same kind of food they eat, to assign to them tasks that they can do, and when they assign to them tasks, to help them out in carrying out their tasks. Besides all of that, Islam encourages the emancipation of slaves. Thus the Prophet ﷺ, as he was dying, he said, take care of what your right hand possesses. If you look at the two sections of this message of the Prophet ﷺ, as he was dying, we find he is telling us about one thing related to religious worships and one thing related to our social welfare. When it comes to religious worship, the Prophet ﷺ wants us to do our prayers well. To pray with devotion. To maintain our prayers. To preserve our prayers. To do our prayers continually. If our prayers are done well, every other aspect of our religion will be up to par. If our prayers are straight and up to par, all other aspects of our religious practices should be straight and up to par. But if our prayers are crooked and meaningless, all other aspects of our religion will be also crooked and meaningless. Also the Prophet ﷺ wants us to take care of what our right hand possesses because if people oppress their slaves, that will generate social diseases and thus that will bring many suffering to the society. So the Prophet ﷺ wants us to make our relationships with our Lord right when we do our prayers right. And the Prophet ﷺ wants us to have a healthy society and we do that with treating our slaves well. Nowadays we do not have slaves, but we have employers and employees. The employers must deal with their employees right. There must be social justice in the affairs of the society. And with this social justice in the affairs of the society, the society will be healthy and functional. Also the Prophet ﷺ said, as he was dying, أَخْرِجُوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ مِنْ جَزِيرَةِ الْعَرَبِ Remove the pagans from the Arabic peninsula. Also he said, لَأُخْرِجَنَّ الْيَهُودَ وَالنَّصَارَ مِنْ جَزِيرَةِ الْعَرَبِ حَتَّى لَا أَدْعَ إِلَّا مُسْلِمًا Narrated by Muslim 1767 I will remove the Jews and the Christians from the Arabic Peninsula so much so that only Muslim stays in the Arabic Peninsula. The Arabic Peninsula is the homeland of Al-Islam Thus, it should be designated for Muslims. Ibn Hajar, rahimahullah, said, Non-believers are banned from living in Al-Hijaz area only, which is Mecca, Medina, and Yamama. Other areas that are part of the Arabic Peninsula 
are not part of the restricted areas. So we know the Prophet ﷺ does not want Jews and Christians to live in Al-Hijaz area. Because this area is unique and exclusive for Muslims. This area is unique and exclusive for Muslims because it's the birthplace of Islam. The Prophet died at the age of 63 as I have mentioned. When the Prophet died, that was a shock for many. Even Umar ibn al-Khattab, when the Prophet ﷺ died, said, Wallahi ma mata Rasulullah. Wallahi ma kana yaqa'u fi nafsi illa thalik. Wala yab'athannahu Allahu fala yuqatti'anna aydiya rijalin wa arjulahum. By Allah, the Messenger of Allah did not die. And Allah will resurrect him for him to cut off the head and the legs of some men. So Umar ibn Khattab thought that the Prophet ﷺ did not really die. But Allah caused him to go to sleep so the hypocrite will come to surface. And then Allah will resurrect him to punish the hypocrite. That's what went in his mind. So he did not accept the reality that the Prophet ﷺ died, but actually he thought that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put his messenger to sleep as if he was dead in order for the hypocrites to come to surface and gloat at that event. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect his messenger to punish those hypocrites. But that was not the case. The Prophet ﷺ actually died. Abu Bakr showed more patience and wisdom in dealing with this event. He went to the room of Aisha to verify the death of the Prophet ﷺ. After he verified his death, he came out of the room of Aisha and he said, من كان يعبد محمدا فإن محمدا قد مات ومن كان يعبد الله فإن الله حي لا يموت وقرأ إنك ميت وإنهم ميتون He said whoever was worshipping Muhammad Muhammad died and whoever is worshipping Allah Allah is the living God that never dies. And then he read the ayah where it says, You are going to die, and they are going to die. At that point, Umar ibn al-Khattab realized that the Prophet actually died, and he fell down on his knees. One of the signs Marking the nearness of the hour is the death of the Prophet ﷺ. The third sign is the conquest of Bayt al-Maqdis. It says in this hadith that I mentioned to you earlier, the hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari number 3176, Then the conquest of Bayt al-Maqdis. The Muslims took over 
Al-Quds, the year of 16 of migration. I would like to give you a historical overview of Bayt al-Maqdis or Al-Quds. The followers of Musa entered the Palestinian land under the leadership of Yusha, who was their messenger after Harun, Aaron. The children of Israel established their kingdom in that area. Then, as time went by, they greatly deviated from the truth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Jesus sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to the Jews. Jesus said, I was sent to the last sheep of the children of Israel. Jesus was born during the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus. But the Jews did not believe in Jesus. They did not accept Jesus as the messenger of God. They said he was a bastard and they attempted to kill him. Actually it says in Matthew 27:25, His blood be on us and on our children. That is a very important biblical text. Due to this statement, there was an ongoing enmity from that time on between the Jews and the Christians. Nowadays, the Christians tried to present themselves as the friend of the Jews. But in actuality, they hate one another. They only come in together because of their mutual interest to establish the state of Israel because they believe, according to biblical prophecies, Jesus will not come back until the state of Israel is established. But remember, the Jews and the Christians hate each other because they believe the Jews killed their God. And the Jews said, His blood be on us and on our children. We know according to Islam that the Jews attempted to kill Jesus. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Isa ibn Maryam and removed him alive. Seventy years after his removal and during the reign of Titus, Al-Qudus was totally destroyed and turned into shambles. During the reign of Tyrannus, the Jews were allowed back to come to Jerusalem. During the reign of Tiberius, the Jews tried to designate one of them as their king and revolt against the control of the Romans. So the Roman emperor sent his army and killed a great number of them. After that period, an emperor by the name of Andrianus came to power. His son, Elia, got very sick. Doctors told him to take his son to Al-Qudus. When he arrived to Al-Qudus, it was shambles, so he built it again. After Al-Qudus was rebuilt, the Jews came back to live there again and designated one of them as a king. Elia sent an army and killed the Jews and destroyed the city again and he built a tower and he wrote on it Elia the king. For this reason, the city became known as Beit Aliyah, Aliyah Capitolnia. Then, 
a Roman emperor by the name of Constantine came to power. And also Constantine converted to Christianity. That was a turning point for Christians because they are no longer at that time persecuted. And at that point it becomes an advantage for a person to be a Christian. Whereas before it was a disadvantage for a person to be a Christian. And under the reign of previous emperors, Christians were persecuted. But now they are no longer persecuted, but they themselves started persecuting the Jews. So many of the Jews pretended that they were Christians. They would go to the services on Sundays. Constantine was informed about the trick of the Jews, so he ordered pork to be cooked and everyone leaving the church on Sunday would be requested to eat pork and whoever does not eat pork he would be killed and the Jews do not eat pork so the Christians in actuality wanted to eat pork to distinguish themselves from the Jews but we know in the Bible it's prohibited upon them to eat pork and it says in the Old Testament not to eat swines and not to eat pork. But nevertheless, in Matthew, Matthew 15, 11, it says not what goes inside the mouth defile a man, but what comes out. So they use this text to justify eating pork. It's clearly stated in the Bible that it's prohibited to eat swine. But as I said earlier, the Christians want to set themselves apart from the Jews. So whatever the Jews did, even though it was right, they want to do it differently. So if the Jews do not eat pork, they wanted to eat pork. Beit al-Maqdis, Eliyah, remained under the control of the Romans until the 16th of migration. When it was besieged by Umar ibn al-As and Abu Ubaid ibn al-Jarrah, the patriarch of the city agreed to turn the city to Umar ibn al-Khattab himself. When the Muslims took control of Bayt al-Maqdis, the Muslims dealt with Christians with the fairness that Islam calls for. No one was forced to change their religion. Umar ibn al-Khattab himself when he entered the city, he refused an invitation to pray in the church. You know why? Because he does not want Muslims afterwards to turn the church into a masjid on grounds that Umar ibn al-Khattab prayed in it. He wanted to preserve the area of worship for the Christians. That is the justice of Al-Islam. We continue, insha'Allah ta'ala, talking about the signs of the Day of Judgment in future sessions. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad.